Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about <laughs> the Freaks and Geeks episode, everybody. It's Freaky Friday! <laughs> wow, you really... Okay. Freaky Friday! Yeah? Freaky Friday! It's Freaky Friday, everybody. Here we are. Freaks and Geeks talking uh, talking episode talking nine. Talking episode nine. What's episode nine, Caulfield? We've got spirit. We've got spirit. It's 2019. We're coming to you from inside Norseman's head. Um, this, was, we got, this was one of your best. We got Barbara Friend with us. <laughs> we do. Up? We what do. Uh, writer and she's uh, back. Return guest. Yeah. First time she's talking about uh, pop culture. I love that we haven't had you on for a movie yet, though. No. I like you that. Know, we, you know, it's, it's like great. TV and sports. <laughs> no, but I think that's. I mean, I've we're going to have like you on for a movie. five movies over, wow. and over my whole this life. Is true. She's not, she's not what a big movie are person. the five movies? Uh, Little Giants. Yes, I've watched that a thousand <laughs> that's times. That's a great movie. That's it. So, are you a sports movie fan? I do like sports movies. Okay. I think Remember the Titans is one of the best. Movies okay, all right. Made. So, football movies you're and, and really anything, but football movies seem to be better because I feel like I don't know why, but you're better than baseball movies, really. I'm not a big baseball fan. Interesting. Hardball was a great movie. Interesting. That was great. Is that Keanu? With Keanu? Yes, that was a great. Movie. I, I love that you, but I love that you said Little Giants first. Uh, it's one of the few, like my kids, because there's so many entertainment choices. These, these days, um, they're very against watching a movie more than once. Yeah. Really? You know, that'll be one of the first things we're all to say. I've already seen this movie. We've watched Little Giants at least 10 times. It's yeah. a great go to in my Fantastic. house. Fantastic. Um, we watched it the night before opening day when the Giants played the Cowboys. You know, it was Little Giants, Cowboys. Yeah, the Little Giants and good. the Little Cowboys, very and then good. the Big Giants and the Big Cowboys. Yes. I mean, there's definitely more football movies. Like, if we were to rank no, the more, Definitely more baseball, baseball movies. But... Really? 
thousand percent. So definitely not a lot of basketball movies. Mm-hmm. There's Air only Air, sure. Number one. Base- sure. <laughs> I, th- I think it goes. Hoosiers. I mean, yeah. Definitely the most baseball movies. And then I would say boxing. Probably. Sure, sure, sure. Because I think boxing is considered to be by some the only like prestige sports hmm. movie. Like if you look at it, you have Rocky, you have Raging Bull, you have The Fighter. Play to the bone, obviously. Play to the bone, obviously. <laughs> you have a lot of <laughs> boxing. Boxing as a metaphor for life has been done uh-huh. over and over again. It's, yeah. it's a little ham-handed if you think about it. But um, yeah. it's, it's the most like overt metaphor yeah. for, you know what I mean? In terms of a sports to life analogy. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I mean, I, I would agree. There are a lot of baseball movies. I guess there aren't that many football movies in the end. Unnecessary I, roughness or necessary. Roughness. Great movie. Friday night. Lights. Yeah. Really... Last boy scout. There are a lot. <laughs> I think there's a scrum. I can't remember what it was. I'll just say story for the time being, but okay. there's a prominent screenwriting book mm-hmm. that says, don't write a sports movie unless it's a boxing movie. Interesting. Huh. Um, that's that's interesting. the only one that, that seems to be um, taken seriously by high-minded people. Oh, okay. I think there's also just something very um, – I mean, there's just something very clean about it. I mean, just in terms of from a storytelling perspective, it's just very sort of – it's very two clean. people. It's just that you can't – you hard to fuck that up, but the people have. Oh, they do it all the time. Play to the bone. Play to the bone. <laughs> being one of them. Yeah. Um, but here we are. We're talking about freaks and geeks, obviously. That's why we digressed into sports movies. Right. Uh, although <laughs> this is a sports <laughs> episode. So, yeah. you know, it's sports adjacent. It's sports yeah. adjacent. It's, I actually thought that the sports in this episode were, was pretty well done, considering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this is probably not, it's not really this show's wheelhouse. No. Um, but I thought they did a good job with it. Um, it looked real. It did. The kid, Riley Smith, whatever, Todd. Todd. Todd, Todd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like crossed over yeah. and went for the lab. I'm like, all right, he looks <laughs> yeah. like he's he like, I the before. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they actually, they actually went, I'm sure they had basketball auditions yeah. because they went yeah. through the trouble of getting a guy who looks legitimate on the court. Right. And, he's, and he's a pretty decent actor considering. Motocross. You could deliver a line. He's, yeah. You know, he can kiss a girl in a hallway. There's nothing yeah. worse than uh, a sports situation and then mm-hmm. usually don't fuck it up in movies but in tv shows when uh, they have someone who just can't yes who, who can't execute the sport that they're playing <laughs> you know kind of famously to me danny mcbride cannot throw a baseball uh, uh that's interesting and it drives it, it drives me nuts <laughs> he throws a ba- have you ever seen cricket uh, i've seen cricket you, i mean i've seen you no. see cricket played yes he yep. throws cricket like a like a bowler he throws up a baseball like like, like oh, with that big right. windmill motion, like coming over the top. Where did you learn how? Like to- an actor. <laughs> well, Tim Robbins can't throw a baseball, right? So, but that worked because he couldn't. No. The, the character couldn't really throw a baseball. Yes, he could. Nuke, Nuke, Nuke Lelouch. But he couldn't, hit, he couldn't get it to the into the, oh, the love th- of the. That's true, but he, the, but but he had the. Yeah, this is this is literally my wheelhouse. What you're talking about? <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> but but he he should be able to as major league. Baseball player, or minor league baseball player in that movie, execute sure. what looks like a throw, sure. and then it goes in the wrong direction. Kevin Costner? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that guy can throw. <laughs> what about Dennis Quaid? Can throw. Yeah, that was a good. Interesting. Movie. Both are great. Both have great yeah. throw motions. Well, I mean, the worst he's in a bunch of baseball movies now that I think about it. So it's- the, the worst thrower in baseball history? Yeah. Um, thrower? There are two. There are actually two. <laughs> okay. One is in a movie, Tom Cruise in. Um, War of the Worlds. He has a catch with his son. He has a catch with his son, and it's enough to make you want to like hide inside your own bones. <laughs> and then the then the other one that's actually it's so so the the Tom Cruise one's just kind of awkward. 
but the one that's truly hilarious, and you know, I'm only going to say his name for the hilariousness of this, is Kevin Spacey throws a baseball in um, House of Cards. Uh, okay. He has to catch it. I cannot believe someone let him do that. He throws no, I it. See it he throws it as if his arm comes out of his sternum. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's like, yeah, it's like he has a, a guado in the middle of his stomach throwing the ball. That's, but you should sit. All right. Freaks and uh, geeks. geeks. I'm going to read the synopsis of episode 109. We've got Spirit. Uh, Sam becomes the McKinley basketball team's new mascot after the former mascot, played by Shia LaBeouf, breaks his arm. Shia, by the way, great in this episode. God, he's fantastic. Good. He's really great. He also doesn't change. Like, yeah. he's as formed then as he, he ever is. He's, he's just, so he good. knows how to deliver a line. I yeah. love him in this. <laughs> he's great. I made me want to watch Peanut Butter Falcon and everything else he's done. <laughs> Uh, he hopes to become closer to Sydney, uh, Cindy, that is, Sam. Uh, instead of winning her heart, however, he increasingly becomes frustrated with her apparent desire to be nothing more than friends, as well as her obsessive crush with the basketball team star's athlete, Todd Schlesinger? It's Schellinger. Schellinger? It's not a crush. It's an it's obsession. obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Switch, yeah switch. <laughs> uh, he eventually becomes so fed up that he allows Neil to be the mascot during a basketball game, though Neil is much more interested in getting laughs than following orders from Vicky, played by Joanna Garcia, the bossy head cheerleader. Uh, Lindsay tries to figure out the best way to break up with Nick. The freaks, meanwhile, have a sudden interest in sports and school spirit after they get beaten up by a gang of McKinley's <laughs> rivals at Lincoln. We've got Spirit aired on January 24th, 2000, and was written by Mike White and directed by Danny Leiner. Leiner. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. The, the Nick Lindsay stuff really works in this episode. Incredible. Incredible. Um, and the, I guess the thing that really hit me was the turn of the joke of him being basically a psycho Mm -hmm. to then feeling so fucking bad for him at the end. Mm -hmm. Like you're laughing at him because he's obviously being obsessive and weird and and he's kind of an obsessive and weird guy. So it's like he's sort of tipped into a new terrain, but not really. He's a terrible boyfriend. He's a terrible (laughs) boyfriend. Well, because he's high all the time. Yeah. And and he tries to like talk about heady, heartfelt things, but he can't execute. He's, he's awful. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. So real, but like he doesn't yeah. even know how to like. Relate. He wants to be there for. Him, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 characterization of Nick and Lindsay and them together is so bold. Yeah. To go there in season one and figure that out, and yeah. and I I, I, I watched that storyline in awe. Yeah. yeah, it's also um, – so I'm going to read a little bit of uh, Alan Suppenwall's um, article about it because I think he taps into what you're talking about. He says, of all the breakup scenarios I've ever heard, whether real life or on TV, I'm not sure I've ever encountered a more cringeworthy one than what happens with Nick and Lindsay, which makes them split. And this entire episode's quintessentially – makes it quintessentially Freaks and Geeks. One of the many things I'm rediscovering as I watch the episodes again is that Nick and Lindsay weren't a couple for nearly as long as I remember. No. <laughs> Though Nick is flirty with her in the pilot and tries to unhook her bra in Beers and Weirs, which you might mm-hmm. remember us talking about, uh, the arc of their relationship essentially runs four episodes, from I'm with the band to here, and they're technically only a couple in Girlfriends and Boyfriends, and here. Yet the elasticity of time makes it feel like something that went on much longer. Time flies when you're having fun and all, and this was one giant fun vacuum, <laughs> at least for Lindsay. If We've Got Spirit isn't the funniest or the deepest episode of the run, it still deserves credit for moving well, for putting so many balls in the air and bringing them down simultaneously around the big game and for creatively awful way they brought Lindsay and Nick's storyline to a close. I agree with all of that. Yeah, me too. You know, I I think that it's um, when you see what's happening with Mrs. Weir and Nick and you're just you're literally (laughs) like, please stop. No, no. 
And it, it makes you sad because not just because of the fact that Nick looks like he's just been, you know, punched in the stomach, right. but because the mom felt like she really kind of crossed some sort of Rubicon with her daughter. That was so painful. <laughs> and then she's like just broken up with her boyfriend for her. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a mess. It's great stuff, though. Like, it's all just... It's all believable. It's all believable. It, it, it's expertly plotted. It's also just, like, the episode opens... For, I mean, as as every, I guess, sort of, quote-unquote, romantic scene between Nick and Lindsay is him high talking about, like, sort of about death. Yeah. But not really. That's what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do with you. I see, sure, I'm so sure. just lying, lying on the couch, so just talking just, about death. I'm talking about death, and you're just like, God, when will he stop? Yeah. But the look on—I mean, I—I I, I know that I probably say this in every episode, but you know, Linda Cardellini is doing stuff on this show without words. It's just—it's—it's it's incredible stuff. It really is. And the two of them—I mean, I know. I don't know where they were in their actual relationship, whether because they cause, were together. Yeah, Jason Segel and Linda Carter for a while. I'm just here to yeah. learn, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they dated in real life. Now, I'm pretty sure it happened. Either it was sparked by this series, or was happening during the series, yeah. um, and that apparently forgetting Sarah Marshall is loosely based on that whole relationship. Again, who was uh, Russell Brand? Yeah. It was actually Russell Brand. <laughs> Was <laughs> it Jay Franco? Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I mean to. I, hearsay. Complete. I don't know. Um, but hearsay? Not hearsay. Like, there's nothing to that. I just oh, made it up. Okay. Uh, hearsay? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Hearsay is going to be a piece of president, you know. That's what they say. Um, <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time this episode is released, he's impeached. Yeah. Um, but I think I just wanted to digress. Yeah, fast. sure. I think we're the most overtly liberal film, co- film podcast out there. Probably. No one else talks about politics like we do with such a liberal bent. No one? No one. They're all afraid. Everyone's I don't scared. know. Who? David and Griffin talk pretty. No, they don't. It's a no politics podcast. I guess. They're all scared. I'm not scared. Well, <laughs> I'm Canadian, so I can just go back to Canada. Yeah. And I could just join you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I do think that she just does a lot of stuff with her face in terms of just awkwardness, but also one of the things that I keep reading in the reviews by Emily Vanderwerf and Alan Sappenwall is how the the mirrors of mother and daughter, this idea of Lindsay being a, a, a sort of a caregiver on some level and being open hearted and wanting to sort of help people. Mm-hmm. Now, she's not particularly adept at it. No. <laughs> but she tries. And there's this sort of this there's this desire to try to make everybody happy. Um which, you know, makes her miserable. Right. So there's this sort of kind of duality that she's dealing with that I think that Linda Cardellini does incredibly well. Yeah. No, what what watching her with Nick especially, like the whole thing just feels like dread. Like she ne- <laughs> And I and I mean that like in a great way. I think what you're saying is she plays it with looks. Like mm-hmm. that she never. She's only. You're, you're right. She's always people pleasing. She's like you know. They say you can't break up with Nick. She's like happy to yeah. say like say no. Whatever. She can't yeah. even break up with him the first time. But yeah. like constantly everything he's doing, you just look at her face and she just looks like she's she's also like dreading. And I don't also know, hilarious but, at the same time. Right. There's a moment at the beginning of the episode where. Uh, Kim and Lindsay have a conversation. Kim's like, you can't break up with him. If you break up with him, he'll go fucking psycho. Can I just say one thing yeah, I love please. about that scene is mm-hmm. like, you know, they're all like, oh, well, are you pregnant? And yeah. she's like, 
don't you guys are fucking you know yeah, assholes yeah, you yeah. cannot talk to her like that yeah. and the second they turn the corner she goes so are <laughs> yeah busy phillips and busy who's amazing <laughs> so great in this in this show but in this scene where she's you you get and again like this is the dance this show does where um it's funny because it feels real like yeah. there's something about the way Busy's saying, like, you have to be careful about breaking up with him. There will be a fallout that comes with it. And then right after that, Nick sneaks up behind Lindsay and says, I was looking for you. And then Lindsay she says, ju- you Here watch her I like am. fall out of her skin when he touches her. I'm just like, oh. He like t- and she she like freezes. She yeah. just her whole body recoils and then she goes, Here I am. <laughs> like it's just it's great. Yeah. I wonder um how now I'm I'm coming at it from a weird angle. Mm-hmm. This feels incredibly real to me. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> sure, everything about this feels very real yeah. to me. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like if the writers of Freaks and Geeks, who we, uh, you know, I speculate a lot what they were thinking when they were doing this, are anything like me, which I su- suspect they are. Um, <laughs> they, they, I feel very much uh, a kindred spirit with Nick here, and I don't mean that in a good way. In that I was in a lot of relationships or some relationships where I didn't know what I was doing. I was in my own head. I was in them partially because it was the right thing to do or it seemed like a good social move. Um, and, uh, and the girl might have just been in it to be nice. Oh, I've definitely been in that position. Yeah. It might have just been in it because it's hard to say no and it's, it's just like this like on the same kind of tip like maybe this is the right thing we should be doing but maybe like we're just going to stick this out for a few more weeks just because we're being nice and i uh you know i look at the the nick Lindsay thing and i i I recoil because i feel like yeah there probably been some girls who would have loved to just like told me to go fuck off because i like put my arm around them in public situations where like i'm just kind of I feel like I'm me tooing myself right now, but like, <laughs> I, but like, I, I, but I, I there, there's I like, a, there's a subtlety to all this, which is like, you're working stuff out as a high schooler and sometimes in college and sometimes beyond that. And a lot of it you're in your own head for, you know, you're trying to figure it out, like how this feels for you and you don't even think about the other person. And I think that's what's happening for sure which is why i wonder what i wonder if lindsay's response is is as realistic as i think it is from my perspective you know because i feel like both sides probably are in a similar situation like how lindsay's so cool in this show right <laughs> sure she is, is she, is she? So, i mean i think she's cool like 80% of the time i think she's cool in that like i think that she's smart enough to realize that this isn't a great relationship and i'm just working my way out of this as opposed to being like, how do I make this thing work? Because like, it kind of is cool to be dating like, you know, a tall freak. I think she's, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the whole series is about Lindsay figuring out her shit, right? right. And being sort of pulled in a bunch of different directions. Um, and, and I do think that she has the wherewithal emotionally to sort of read the tea leaves and to sort of see what's going on, but is sort of unsure of how to pull the trigger on that. Cause she's again, sort of afraid to hurt his feelings, which is understandable. Like, I don't think anybody likes to break up with it. No, she's a nice person. But I think that, you know, what you sort of, what you were talking about, that sort of that awkwardness of, um, 
sort of feeling out relationships and trying to sort of sense as to whether or not somebody likes you or doesn't like you. That's and, all really messy. But so much of it is the idea that you're in your own head okay. and working it out for yourself mm-hmm. and not thinking about the other person. Yeah. And I think that's what they've nailed on the Nick side so totally. well. Totally. And I'm wondering whether or not that's true on the Lindsay side. Like if, if she would be as, as, I guess the word I'm looking for is I, if she would be as like altruistic as she is. In real I, life. In real life. Because I feel like so much of what she's doing is how do I take care of Nick in this situation? Take care of his emotions, put him at ease, make him comfortable, work through his shit. Like I that might be her first boyfriend. No, yeah, I mean, that might be, you know, that, that might be, that might, that might be about gender roles and, and power dynamics. But uh, I don't know. I think she's also, I mean, I, I don't mean to, beat a dead horse but i think there's something to be said for um embracing this new social circle that she's a part of and a fear that comes with what it would mean to reject him and what would come with that i mean especially with kim's sort of warning to her up top is she doesn't really know what that means it didn't feel like it didn't feel like that it felt like it felt like take care of his you know precious little heart I mean, that's certainly part of it. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, as we are, this specific episode, then yeah, I would agree with that. But it does feel like from basically their first kiss, she's wanted out. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I don't it, think she knows what she wants yeah. at all. Yeah. Like that, as you're saying, that is the whole point of this season, at least. Yeah. The only the series. The only. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only series. Season. Yeah. It's a. And and I would say, you know, we've talked, we've, we've made this comparison a fair amount, but, you know, there's the My So-Called Life versus, um freaks and geeks you know putting them next to each other and sort of that those two angela and her mm-hmm. sort of arc uh and and Lindsay's. admittedly this shows a far more masculine show there's a lot more male characters on it and you know yeah i actually by wonder if too. i would want to watch it today my so-called life no freaks and, geeks. Oh, freaks and geeks it's like a bunch of white people a bunch of boys <laughs> yeah. seriously it is you know a bunch of boys yeah. it's a bunch of boys it's like yeah would i if that was on tv oh it's a high school show about that i don't know yeah. if i read that synopsis of I would be like oh yeah I'm interested well, in that and it's all nostalgia too which I'm just kind of like tired of so. I, I think it's an fair. aggressively male show and I think that's yes. what I'm getting at like with this I, I, I keep I keep hitting this like every time which is yes alright so uh, six or seven uh, no sorry six of the seven or eight main characters are male mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the three little geeks and uh, three of the four main freaks and then busy if you want to include her as like Mm-hmm. The other, the eighth main character. So there's that. Taking Busy out for a second. Um, all the male characters, I think, are really layered, really interesting, really deep, six distinct flavors of high school student. Whereas Linda Cardellini has to be all things to all people at all times. And on top of that, she almost has, in my opinion, no layers. I think she's an idealized version of a high school girl from a male perspective. Um, and I think that this, I, I'm not like, I don't mean to like knock the show because this is 20 years ago and it's so wonderfully progressive in so many ways. But my sense is that Linda Cardellini's character, um, seems a little bit, it feels a little bit tokenish to me and, uh, a little bit of, if we go from a female perspective here, then we can't be accused of um, not telling both sides of the story. Whereas I just don't think that she is 
nearly as well as, as well formed as the other characters. I mean, I'll say this. I, I, I don't entirely disagree with you, um, but I will say that this feels like one of those moments where, um, where you catch lightning in a bottle with your casting and it adds sort of a whole new spin on what you've written. Now, whether or not on the page what you're saying is true, I, is, it sounds right to me. Like, I don't think that she has necessarily as much depth as some of the other male characters. But I think that when it's executed by Linda Cardellini, I agree it makes with the that. whole thing sort of blossom into a character that you feel like <clears throat> there's more there than there might be on the page. I completely agree with that. Um, it just does feel like, it does feel, at least to me, like the writers have not got into what the female experience is in high school. Yeah. Whereas I feel, you know, like, that's true. remember how we had, we did our episode on Jawbreaker and we didn't really understand Jawbreaker. <laughs> yes. yes. And, um, it's going to come out on Blu-ray. We've been alerted to that. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, were we talking about the main character? No, the person. Oh, Heather Renier. Heather. And yeah. Heather, like, explained to us that this is, you know, the, yeah. essentially the, the heightened, all stakes on the line version of being a girl in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And that made us understand why this movie is so beloved right. by, by so many people. Um, I think that uh, this mo- this show doesn't really understand what it's like to be a girl. I don't disagree with that. Don't get me wrong. I don't really understand what it's like to be a girl, <laughs> but I'm not getting it from this show. I'm getting what I think is like what a boy thinks like it is yeah. to be a cool girl. And I think she's cool. Like they, I think that's very clear. To be a cool, smart girl, mm-hmm. the kind of girl you'd want to date. Well, I think that – I'll say this. I do think that um, – that the show, if it was done today, to your point, I don't think it would be as many boys as there are. I think you probably have some more, absolutely have some more girls mixed into it. I would also say, too, that I do think this show, as much as they're not main characters, I mean, there's an argument to be made whether Kim is a main character. I would argue that she is. Um, But I do think that there's a range of different women and female characters that do exist within this universe. I think that, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting what's her? uh, Cindy, Cindy, also the mom. Like I do think that there is, uh, there is a range. Now, um, I'm not sitting here making excuses. What you're saying is absolutely true. I'm just trying to, I'm really more than anything playing devil's advocate to the fact that I think that whether or not they know what it's like to be a woman, they did have some female writers on this show. They did have female directors. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that the show is devoid of that perspective, but it would have been nice to have more. I also want to say, it's also okay to not tell every story in every yeah, show. Totally. It's, it, it's, I'm not trying to say like, you have to be everything to every person. Yeah. I think like, you know, one of, one of like my, 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 pet peeves is when the media or members of the media try to try to force a show to do something that it's not necessarily built to do like when girls had their second season and the media was all over girls for not having any black characters um between season one and two between between season one and two i think that put Lena in a position where she built this token character played by Donald Glover. She didn't know what to do with that character. And I think it hurt the show and I think it hurt everything. I don't think that helps to just put someone in if, if it's not true to your story. I look at succession right now. Succession is just telling their story. I think they're telling it brilliantly Mm -hmm. and uh, there it's an extremely wide show. Some shows just are from a particular perspective. That being said, the show is from a young Females' perspective, sure. 
and they miss the mark. Yeah, yeah I, I think understand. that's my bump with it because I think I do think that Lindsay's a character who's trying to she's looking to other people to tell her who to be and what to do, which I think is very real for like a lot of young people, especially like a lot of young women. But when everyone else gets sort of their own agency, like even I think Cindy, Cindy's very nuanced. If, you know, she's a cheerleader, yeah. but she has this. She reads this poem in the yearbook club that's like it's the weirdest. I hate poem my ever. life, you know. Like, but <laughs> yeah. but she she talks to Sam sort of about it's hard to be put in this box, and I don't. You never really get Lindsay's point of view in that same. I don't think you ever really hear from Lindsay. Never tells you. Mm-hmm. How, who Lindsay is, Never. I think, is the problem. Well, and when you say she's the lead of the show, that's when it's she can't just be a mirror to everybody else. Well, I'll say, I will say this too. Um, and again, this might sound devil's advocate, but whatever. Uh, I tend to find that, generally speaking, your number one on your call sheet is not always your most interesting character. I think that sometimes you have shows where it's about the people that revolve around that son. Um, and you know, Where's I think, yeah, <laughs> there have been shows, perhaps even Station 19, where your main character isn't as dynamic because you're wanting to sort of create all sorts of different other perspectives around it. And it's more of a sounding board off of things. Again, this is not an excuse. I, I think there are shows where the main character, My Soul Called Life is a perfect example of that, where she's a phenomenally interesting character and you want to follow her to the ends of the earth and see what she does. Um, but I understand sometimes, and it happens a little bit more in broadcast now, certainly than in cable, but this idea of, um, you know, it's easier to use them as a prism to see things through than it is to actually make them a character themselves. You know the way I feel about that, yeah. that, that, that line of thinking. I'm not, I'm that, not a fan of it, but no, I'm saying it's, that it's, you know, it happens. It, that yes, and I think that's the the way to look at it. It happens, <laughs> but you should never set out to make your main character, your access character, your point of view character, to be anything other than the most interesting character that person is, and that's incumbent upon the actor mm-hmm. to find a way to make any character mm-hmm. who they're playing, as particularly with the as the access character, um, the most compelling person. Um, and more importantly, the most empathetic per- person you can empathize with, mm-hmm. right? And that's to me because they're generally the vehicle for your audience. You have, yeah, and it's the hardest job. This is my like, this is my actor versus supporting actor mm-hmm. thing. The hardest job is making the audience empathize with you, making yep. the audience like you. Um, so yeah, if you like, if you can't pull that off, it might be you know a function of poor writing. It might be a function of poor acting. It might be. Some kind of, you know, situation where both are lacking. But yeah, when that happens on a show to me, that show is almost always dead in the water. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I think that there's a reason why I feel like we're seeing more and more ensemble shows and less and less sort of one hander, two hander sort of, you know, it, it's it's very hard for that character. If that character is the name of the show, for instance, like with Grey's Anatomy or what mm-hmm. have you, where it's like the, the onus that's on the shoulders of that character can be too much sometimes, like just for, for you to be able to make that character as dynamic as you need them to be. So it's just easier to use them as a, as a lens with which to see the other characters through. Well, because in the end of the day, you want your audience to like them. So you're protecting them. Exactly. If you're protecting yeah. a yeah. character, exactly. it's hard. If you're protecting a character – you, you, there's so many things you can't do, and which is why the anti-heroes shows of the early 2000s work so well because sure. they actively don't protect those characters. Mm-hmm. 
I think Meredith Grey, though, to me, it's like yeah. you you hear how she feels about other people. You know how she because the voiceover. Well, no, but like <laughs> people bounce stuff off of her, and then she tells you right. how she feels. She makes a judgment about it, and right. then that's why you're on her side, or you're oh my gosh, she's going off the deep end, whatever it is. But with Lindsay, I never feel like. That's why I said earlier, like, is she cool? Because, like, I don't know. She has no... Oh, sure, yeah. She seems yeah, to have, yeah, like, yeah. nothing, you know? So it also feels she just like takes a, in other people's thoughts about her and opinions, I think. Totally. That's how I feel. I think there's also something to be said for the fact that, and we've talked about this on previous episodes of, of this miniseries, but this show is so is going out of its way, in its own way, to be antithetical to a broadcast television yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing how few things are happening more times right. than not. So sussing out people's feelings isn't always the easiest thing in the world, which, again, sort of like real life, where you're yeah. just like, how does this person really feel about these things? Um, which makes it great, but also kind of keeps you at arm's length because you're never really sure, specifically with Lindsay's character, because she's also so sort of, she's in the middle of a, of a, crises an identity crisis of trying to figure out who she wants to be so and again that can be used as an excuse for not doing the deep dive into the character right where you're just like well she's confused and we sure bend her in any direction that we need to which you is got, great yeah you got to figure out what genre you're writing before you can figure <laughs> out what right what's right. happening in this in the show but, but it, yeah to this point all these points you know this is what's great about the show what we're talking yeah. about and that's why it's so jarring and weird and <laughs> unenjoyable when they have such an overtly sitcomish hot up storyline story yeah. like the one with the Norseman head. <laughs> and like, yeah. I, like, and it's not in the thing about it. I'm watching this episode and I'm thinking, you know, even when it's like quote unquote bad, it's still good. Mm -hmm. Like that shit's still funny to me. I think, you know, I think, uh, Neil is, is almost always hilarious. Like his shit, like his, POV is stick is, is, is the right way to put it. He's so funny. So it's funny, but like, it's also just like so tonally out of yeah. whack. And they cut between these two storylines. Like it's yeah. just a waltz. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I, I feel like, and I don't, you know, I don't know if other shows do this, but shows I've been on, um, theme is so fucking important. You know, and I think like some people think it's cheesy to have a theme for the whole episode that runs through all the storylines. I think it's necessary. But I don't yeah. – I, but I would say like you have Sam. He would literally do whatever to be with Cindy and you have Lindsay who, who can't even talk to her yeah. boyfriend. You know, I, I found like it's – oh, it's two siblings like going through almost the exact same problem. Which is, which is a common thing with this show. Yeah. Like they yeah. do fall yeah. – and it, it's not a bad thing. I mean it is about the Weirs. It is about Lindsay and Sam. So those tend to be your, your A and your B. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to read a really quick thing out of uh, Emily Vanderwerf's uh, review because it taps into what you were saying about the Norse head. Um, <laughs> She said, for a long time, you've got, we've got spirit was my favorite episode of the show. I wouldn't classify it as my favorite anymore. And we'll get to the one I like best soon enough. But the this reason is, this for is that, her favorite episode of the show. But the reason for that is almost entirely due to one hilariously great bit of costuming. That giant Viking head. It Freaks and geeks exists in the dim band between comedy and tragedy in the pathos that results when something is really, really sad and really, really funny at the same time. And Sam seeing Cindy kiss Todd, then leaning the mascot head over in dejection. <laughs> That's the sweet spot. <laughs> what makes it all work is that the head isn't cartoonish like you would expect a school mascot to be. And like Paul Figo originally wanted the head to be, according to the liner notes and the DVD, but rather a terrifyingly realistic grotesque. <laughs> I do think that... I agree with you. <laughs> like, 
I mean, Barbie probably are, are up on this. Generally, they're cartoonish, the mascot hats, yes. but yeah. every once in a while, like some schools have these like yeah. realistic, terrifyingly realistic <laughs> ones. Like they tend to be things like, uh, like the UMass Minuteman, you know? It's a human, usually it's like a human yeah. figure of some sort. Yeah, in like <laughs> a very some weird cra- way. Yeah. Cra- you know, I mean, or you know what has a really weird one, even though it's not a, a person? The, uh, the St. Joe's Hawk. I don't know. St. Joseph's hawk. This hawk, it has feathers. I'm looking it up. And he (laughs) flaps. So I went to Penn, and and there's a thing called the Big Five, which is these five Philadelphia schools. It's it's Penn, um, Villanova, St. Joe's. Like, right, he's terrifying. Yeah, Villanova St. Joe's. This is horrible. I should know these off the top of my head. Um, two other schools in the Philadelphia area, and also Drexel plays in some temple. And, uh, whatever. So they, this St. Joe's thing flaps its wings the entire game. It flaps its wings. Oh In the, um, it's great, guys. Yeah, Look up the St. Joseph's Hawk if you're, uh, it looks like, yeah, it, perpetually it looks squawking as well. Yeah. Yes. It's also angry. It's an angry yeah. looking bird. Yeah. It's, I mean, mascots are weird. I still haven't watched the Chris Guest movie on mascots, which I heard was, was oh, pretty funny. Yeah, was it? Um, the mascots are weird. Mascots <laughs> are weird. There's something, first of all, just the anthropomorphizing of some of these things is just wrong. I mean, the Metropolitan Met with the the baseball. But that face. guy's great. That guy's great. You're wrong <laughs> that about guy's him. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Matt, he's is that great. his name? Mr. Matt. Yeah, and is it is. The best thing about Mr. Matt, there's a million great things about Mr. Matt. He has a wife, he has Mr. Matt kids. Um, <laughs> the best Matt? thing is, no, it's the, um, the Cincinnati Reds mascot. Have you ever looked at that guy? Yeah. Look up him. Because okay. he looks like Mr. Matt's old timey, like nephew. He looks like Mr. Matt's like ancestor, right? He looks like he was like lifting dumbbells on Coney Island, you know, 80 years ago. <laughs> Hold on. Look at him. I'm looking him up. I'm picturing Yeah, he's, well, he's got, no, a, he's got, he's got a mustache. Handlebar mustache. He's, yep. he's yep. the same dude yep. with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> It actually looks like it looks like he's like a, a railway conductor. Yeah, Barbara just did the uh, the Italian. Well, he, he, oh, look, he's look, seen, that's Rosie. That's Rosie oh, Red. Well, that's Rosie. Yeah, you, oh, you know what they look like? They look. They, <laughs> he looks like an Italian stereotype. Is they what he looks they like. look it's like terrible. Mr. Matt, and Mrs. Matt, who are just giant baseball heads. Like also have a side job where they're the Reds mascots. Uh-huh. They uh-huh. just throw on the sure. mustache and the hair. Yeah. But yeah, so those guys are not scary. They're wonderful. But I think there's something about like mascots in general, which is they tow a weird line, right? Because like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be like a pump up, get people excited. And then sometimes it can veer into like, like that hawk is angry. Most kids are terrified of mascots. Yeah, like they're fucking weird. Me too. Well, like when you went to Disneyland, were you freaked out by the giant Mickeys and Minis and stuff like that? For a good period of my time, yeah. Of my life, yes. There's something to say. They scare the shit out of me. It's weird. It's a weird thing. I feel like this is... It's a grown-up's idea of what a kid would like. Sure. You know? Does this not feel like... And I I don't... This is going to sound like I'm shitting on this episode, but is this a tropey thing? Like, I feel like the mascot thing is a thing that we've kind of... Like, what makes this stand out is the grotesqueness of this mascot. It's beneath this show. It's a little... From a storyline, it is. is And it's funny, but it's beneath the show. That's how I feel. The thing about the mascot head, real quick, that is... When you look at it, 
It's terrifying. <laughs> At one point, Vicky it. knocks the helmet off when, yeah. when Neil oh, is yeah, wearing it. Yeah. It has a comb over it's and like comb. three random yeah. <laughs> That's a great attention detail, to detail, though. But that's the amount of detail they put into what, yeah, no, how horrible it is. Even really under good. what you don't even normally see. Why did they do that? Because like, if that if the the, the hat's going to come off or the helmet's going to yeah. come off, it, it better be horrifying. <laughs> Joanna Garcia is amazing. She's great. She's fantastic. Yeah. She she kicks him in the butt. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> she's so mad about she's it. She's so she's what did say? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Neil is just out of control. Even just her her delivery of the line when they're hanging the banner. And she's like, can you please stop jerking the sign? You're going to yeah. like, there's something about her delivery where, and, and this also goes back to how deep the bench is on this show. Oh yeah. yeah. Where like these characters, which like, you know, she'll, she probably has, I don't know, 10 lines, maybe 15 lines in the entire series or something like that. But she pops back in and out and she doesn't feel like a shitty mustache twirly villain or some awful, awful girl. I she feels her. like a real person. Um, but you also don't want to cross her. <laughs> and she's like yet another person on this cast who wanted to headline her own shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's yeah. so many people yeah. when you look it's at crazy. that who yeah. just went on to like headline their own shows. She's and so movies talented and, though. Yeah. She is so talented. She's so great. And I mean, I think that this, so there's a bunch of stuff within this storyline that I do think is funny. I think that your Shia LaBeouf stuff is great. I think when he's teaching Sam about like, what is, they'll jerk. And you'll fall. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pull oh, the hair. Don't pull, Don't pull their, their bras, bras or they'll yeah. jerk and you will fall. Uh, it, it's so good. It's good stuff. I also just it's love. Good. <laughs> you just know that because Sam asks on two or three occasions, can I put the mask on? And Vicky keeps saying it's broken. We're fixing it. And you're just like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. He's going to put the fucking thing on and he's not going to know how to do anything Ugh. with it on. And then you know, I think she was great. protecting him because the first time he puts it on, he sees. Cindy oh, that, get that's a nice way of looking at <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny too because they 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 are always you know auditioning with a funky chicken the, the funky chicken like it's, that seems a bit like a room pitch yeah. where it's like are just having the funky chicken and everyone's like they're doing the funky chicken we're gonna have and it just yeah. get funnier and funnier and funnier yeah. every time they did it um, or they just a placeholder. Have a pla- yeah placeholder that's what I mean the placeholder pitch yeah. and then finally Research. someone's like well actually this is hilarious yeah this works funky chicken funky chicken is great yeah. He really is great. He's, he's adorable. And he's, the way he, the way he, he really gives it. The way he dances around like the whiz. There's also something about when he first tells, uh, Cindy that he's going to do it. And she's like, I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. You're not up for this. <laughs> yeah. And it, which is kind of heartbreaking in its own way. I love how she is six inches taller than She's so much taller than <laughs> every he is. girl on that show was well, yeah, taller than yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I also, there's a lot of great lines in it. I also love the, um, Neil saying being the school mascot has always been my dream. And Bill saying yes since lunch. <laughs> Bill's funny in it too. Bill's great. Yeah. I just, I, I do feel like we haven't got to the point when Bill's, when, when the coach starts dating oh, yeah. Bill's mom. <laughs> so when, and that starts to feel like when they start to lean into Bill a little bit more, cause he still feels a little bit, unfortunately, just peripheral. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also feels like the only one who like kind of has a brain between the three of them in terms of the geeks. Like well, he's the one that we get further in, when we get further into it with Bill yeah. because we haven't spoken to spoken about him a lot. Yeah. Um it'll be interesting and I think a little delicate. Sure. Because like Bill is Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Bill's not like the other guys, you know? Bill's not like the other guys. Like I don't want to get too. I don't want to we'll get, get too into it. But he's just he's different. So yeah. there's something. Yeah, he's. I, I do feel like there's a there's a sensitivity to him. He's just he's he's playing on a different level than they are. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like it does mm-hmm. feel as though he's sort of seeing the world from a very different perspective. Um, and as sensitive as Sam is and Neil is. There's something else with Bill. We'll talk about that as we get deeper into, into his character. That's interesting because the episode before this one, yeah. uh, he's Cindy's lab partner. Correct. You know? And when she leans over, yes. he just like honks her butt <laughs> or her boobs. I don't, yeah. you know, like, he pretend, like, to, to oh, upset Sam. I know, but it's like, oh, he's still just a, he's still he's a, boy. a boy. He's yeah, still a boy. He's just yeah. a boy. I mean, that had one of the best moments, which is yeah. when she farts and he tries I, to recreate yeah. on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went in pretty deep on. Pretty hard on Bill. Sure. Deep and hard. All right. All right. Um, I, uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I did. I, I, I went in on him you did a in bit. that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Because I think that there, you know, I think at one point I just, yeah, I just wrote in all capital letters in my notes and I, I erased it. In this it. episode? Yeah. Okay. I erased it, but I just, in all capital letters, I just wrote, Sam is an incel. So. <laughs> Which okay. is, which is like, you know, a recurring theme for me, which is like, you guys don't realize you wrote an incel. So, uh, I mean, I don't. Bill or Sam? Sam. Sam. Oh, really? Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Bill's not an incel oh, because. I see Bill way more as that. <laughs> Bill might be one day, but Bill doesn't. Look, look the, the term incel <laughs> means involuntarily celibate. This so, is true. yes, Bill is involuntarily celibate, but Sam is bordering on incel in this idea of. Feeling why do you like something. yeah why do you like todd when i'm so nice to you you know like what does todd have that i don't have well he's this good looking guy but i'm the one who's so nice i'm the one who treats you right i'm the one you should be with but at the end of the episode he really is like you know what that todd is a good guy yeah and like and normal this he- out of its way to to make sure that cindy isn't just into him because he's a good looking right guy. right and like you know to the show's credit this is what quote unquote incels should do like I get the impulse of like uh, I'm a nice guy, so girls should like me. Mm-hmm. The next impulse should be like, but I also have to be compatible with the person, yeah. and the person also has to, you know, I have to give them something that they want. They have to give me something I want. We have to work together. It's not just like if I hold the door open, I deserve to be, you know, <laughs> yeah, attacked think- with kisses. Um, and I think that this show actually turns the corner in this I episode. Um, that's why I erased that he's an insult. <laughs> Um, so to go back to the Nick and Lindsay thing for a second uh, Nick showing up outside Lindsay's window in the middle of the night is amazing Nick's got issues there's again this is a testament to Jason Siegel Mm -hmm. that it's somehow kind of sweet like it's creepy and weird and I'm not saying it's not and it's obviously played for jokes because of that but it never tips into a place of, of you disliking Nick 
And that's a testament, I think, to Jason Siegel's performance. I don't know if you agree or disagree. I think he's a little creepy. He's definitely creepy. But I do think a lot of it, again, it's like just what it's Lindsay's reaction to him, you know, like yeah. I think. But uh, he's I mean, uh, he's crossed a line in this episode. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if like or dislike is kind of how I look at it. Okay. I still am just mostly floored that they found this character. <laughs> That's that, like, true. I am yeah. like it's like. This character exists in the world. We all have known people like this character and to actually like be able to distill it down in a way that Jason Siegel can understand it to play this kind of guy mm-hmm. is bizarre to me and or maybe Jason Siegel is this kind of guy and they just said, Jason Siegel, do your Jason Siegel <laughs> thing. And they're like, right. and then I can't speak to that. I don't, I don't want to make a big thing out of it, but like, it's just, it's so spot on. <laughs> yeah. And I feel, I hate doing this. I hate being the kind of person being like, they're just playing themselves because like y- y- we all work with actors. Like, you know how hard it is. It's incredibly difficult to be an actor and incredibly difficult to find a character. Um, but this is so, I think that there's, it's, I have to give him all the credit in the world, you know, in the absence of, of other, of, of data. other data. But like, <laughs> I cannot believe someone thought this through and got it on screen as perfectly as they got it without just being like, so Jason, just go do your Jason thing. Do you think that, and I, it's, that makes me think of two things. The first is, I think it's interesting how, you know, in the beginning, Nick is, he's, he's not really fully formed yet, as is a lot of shows. It takes, it takes some time for you to find all your characters. I wonder personally if a lot of it, and I think we've all been in this position to some degree or another, where um, you start to write to your actors, like Mm -hmm. what they're capable of, like seeing something in them and being like, okay, they have this tool in their tool belt. So I'm going to start writing towards that. And it feels like they just, at a certain point, they lock in on Jason Siegel's superpowers, if you will, and just start writing to that. I I give them all the credit in the world for that. (laughs) I I I think Phil, you've told the, um, the vampire music musical story on this podcast before uh, it's the best story. have you told it i don't know if i've told it on this mini series but i can tell it now tell it because i think it is instructive <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great story uh um i went to see a screening of sarah uh, forgetting sarah marshall that had a q a afterwards um back when it was released and uh jason siegel did wait some- you went to a movie <laughs> I know, shocking. I know, right? I went to a movie. Um, and, uh, Wait, you went to a movie? <laughs> anyway. I don't know why that was so funny. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and there was a Q&A afterwards with Mr. Siegel, and he said that uh, so the, the vampire musical that exists within that film was something that he actually wrote himself. Right. And he had Judd Apatow over to his house uh, to play him this musical. This was many years prior to, to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, and he, he starts playing it and Judd Aptow starts just howling with laughter. Of course. And then basically opens his eyes and sees how earnest right. and how much this means to Jason Siegel. And he says, never play this for anyone ever again. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that definitely has some Nick in it. Right. So Jay- <laughs> Jason Siegel, I think based on that story, is the kind of person who writes a sincere vampire musical. Um, <laughs> and a book of poems. So Heidi Henderson. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Plays it for his funniest friend. Yeah. Because he wants it, he wants to put it through the gauntlet. When the funniest friend says, this is really this stupid is or really funny, <laughs> yeah. 
is able to then recontextualize it in a way that he both can make fun of himself and put it out there in the context of a comedy where the character is earnest and everyone watching that goes, this vampire musical is pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. He, there is some kind of like very unusual pathos going on there that I don't know how, I don't know how they, Bottled it. I, I, I'm, well, I, I'm, I, because I, I, you know, I went into this miniseries right? being like, I just don't really feel Nick that hard, and <laughs> I am coming out of it being like, this is the unicorn of all unicorns. It's funny you should say that because as you were talking, it makes me think about um, uh, Seth Rogen as well, because I do think that both those guys figured out how to weaponize whatever it is that people like about them, and I think that. Maybe Seth Rogen a little bit more than Jason Siegel, but I do think that there's something about that self-awareness and that ability to sort of almost like deconstruct and metatextualize your own kind of persona that I think is um, incredibly astute and, uh, and self-aware, but also, you know, brilliant in its own way. Seth is different. Yeah. Seth. I mean, Seth built an empire for lack Seth of a better way of putting never, it. never, even in roles where he is playing an assistant, which he's done a few times. Sure. He is never low status. He is always, he is. That's true. Like sometimes the joke is on him, but he's, he's always, he always has the last word. Whereas like a Jonah Hill is almost always low status unless he forces himself to like, you know, to to be high status through like assholery or something. (laughs) Um, So, so Seth, and then like, it's amazing. Like it's amazing that Seth, you know, not being a classically, you know, handsome leading man can take these roles where he's the 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 smartest guy in the room. I, I think that's a really unique character too. Um, but I get that. That's kind of easy. That's that. I I get that guy. I get how to write him. I get the the un. Remember the, the movie The Dow, Steve? Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, right? What's that guy's name? Donald Logue? Uh, Donald Logue. Right. Where you're like, you know, not your typical leading man, but through yeah. through sheer will of confidence and wit. Sure. You can get there. So that's kind of what Seth did. Yeah. Jason's thing is is playing something else completely different. I just yeah. don't really know how to work it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to write it, for instance. Like yeah. I know it when I see yeah. it. He's the only guy who does it. And there's just something kind of thrilling about seeing seeing it, you know, in its germinating. Well, and I period. think that there's, you know, <clears throat> just to, to flip the script a little bit, just because I know that we started talking about sort of the lack of femininity on this movie, on this show. But on I this do, podcast? On this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> with Lindsay's character. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so I, two guys. Three guys in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I think there's something also to be said a little bit of how this show deconstructs masculinity a little bit as well. Yeah. This idea of, because there are no alphas on this show. No. It is all betas. Oh, this one. Daniel? No. Is he? No, I don't think he is. He's the closest to an alpha that we have. I have a point about that. Mr. Weir is the closest. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Weir's an alpha. Oh, he's, he's, got <laughs> all, take it back. he's got all his big Pumbaa friends. <laughs> he's a member. Isn't he a member of both the Alice Club and yep. the Rotary Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. a big deal. He can't believe his kids don't care about how big a deal he is. He's a big city. deal in town. He's a big deal in town. Um, but I, I think that there's, there is something to, and it, it, it harkens back to what you're talking about with, with the Nick character and with the Jason Siegel's sort of persona, if you will. Just that kind of, Allowing a character like this to exist, someone who wears his heart on his sleeve, who who risks being a fucking weirdo, 
um, even if he's not aware of how much of a risk that is. Uh, all of this stuff is just really, really, it's, you know, the, the, the bordering on dislikable. I mean, Daniel, certainly in the first half, you know, of the season really kind of walks a fine line of being like, just a, like, especially the one where the cheating episode mm-hmm. where you're just like, this guy's a dick. Like, why is anyone hanging out with yeah, this fuck guy? This guy. <laughs> fuck this guy. Um, but then he'll say something <laughs> really funny or he can be charming in such a like scum bucket way that you sort of kind of get it. I don't know. It's just, I think, I think all of the guys on, in this, all the male characters in this show are, are interesting sort of deconstructions of what it means to be a man and at a different time too. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Me too. And they um, don't poke fun at them. Like, especially yeah. in this episode, Nick is set up to be crazy, psycho, all this stuff. And yeah. then, then at the end, he has that it's it's crying his car. heartbreaking, yeah. beautiful scene. Well, yeah. even, yeah, even when he's breaking up with Lindsay, yeah. he has the upper hand where the whole time you thought she was going to like run mm-hmm. into him yeah. like a train. But it's just, I would even, I thought go, it was really, even to rewind a little smart. bit off of that. When he has the scene with Lindsay where he tries to explain oh, his situation, yeah. 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 which is, which again, you're just like, this is really good writing that like I'm back on his side again a little bit here and I understand sort of where he's coming from and I can understand how that was misinterpreted by other people mm-hmm. and why, you know, he's sort of relegated to this like weirdo label that people have put. It, it's it's just it's it's very nuanced. Extremely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make uh, one point that I meant to make a long time ago. Um, I think the Daniel, um, Kim relationship is a really interesting counterweight Mm. to this because they seem like they truly like being with each other, (laughs) which is great and unusual. And there's this weird, like kind of equanimity between them. So I like that. One thing that's weird worth talking about is, uh, Kim gets beaten up. Yeah. So like, what episode is that again? This episode this where they beat the Lincoln oh, kids beat so the, the Lincoln, they, they, So we yeah, don't see it, but we yeah, see yeah, that yeah, like yeah. we yeah. see that Ken, Daniel, and Kim yeah. all come back with like black eyes and, and fat lips and bloody, face. and it's just yeah. like, wait, these guys beat, beat up shit up. him. Yeah. Matt Zucri beats up Kim. Yes, yes, which is amazing. Was <laughs> he the main guy? So well, he was, he's, he's the, the one with lines. Yeah, he's the one with lines. The one without the Lincoln jacket. <laughs> he looks the same, by the way. He does. He's like just not aged. Yeah. So that I mean, like, I guess I just wanted to say it was but off like, it's, screen. It's so weird, it's weird that she just gets beaten up, yeah. and that's just that. Especially like that character who comes from an abusive home, yeah. but. Whatever. Also, I, I, I think it's I'm just gonna whatever. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that uh, that the Lincoln guys throw water bottles at them and they decide to spray paint their car. I, I think yeah. they might have overstepped sure. a little bit in terms of sure. retribution. Yeah, they deserve to get their ass kicked. <laughs> but I didn't it's funny. That. It's funny though because in that scene she has the spray spray can and then she says, "I won't do it. I'm a girl." Like she literally said. And then uh, you're right. Yeah. She gets beaten up just with the rest of them. Yeah. It's like she's she's in that group, but I always feel yeah. like she's sort of not in that group. I don't know. I'm, it's a really weird. She's an interesting. Yeah, part. like I don't know what I, to do with her either. I'm certain they should not have beaten her up, <laughs> um, but I'm also not certain how that scene should have went down if she's there. Right? I feel like she was in it though. You know, like throwing punches herself. Probably. I definitely. I yeah, definitely. Like yeah. I definitely think she could have. Like we didn't see it, right? right? So like I definitely like could see her getting like thrown punches. Yeah. It's without her on it. Without her there, it's five on two. 
And I know that Kim Kelly's not going to fucking stand right. by the side, but also that's what I mean. Like it's never if, thought about that. If yeah. she's there, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's a tough. It it's. I wouldn't have put myself in that position as a writer. I wouldn't have had to be there. But it's I, also I, a different time, though. Too like I don't think yeah. people thought about that it's, in this in yeah. the same way that we. They might have thought know. it was funny. There's also yeah. something about <clears throat> to you know to to circle back a little bit to the whole masculinity thing. Daniel and Ken. Not fighters. No. Like, those are guys who are just like, they probably just... I can see Kim fighting. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I do not see them... I see them taking punches. I don't know if I agree with that. They, that's how the whole scene starts. They just yeah, go... Just, <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Tell my mom I love her? Yeah. yeah. Daniel says that, right? Tell me mom I love her. So, it's... I'm glad we didn't see it. Yeah. Because I think it would have just played weird no matter what. Um, and I'm not sure that you even really needed them to get beaten up, if that makes any sense. Like, did you even really need to go that far? No, they could have just been kind of embarrassed one way or another. Sure. They could have just, like, I don't know. Like, uh, or t- they could come back. I mean, here again, spitballing here, but like, if they took the spray paint and they spray painted them or something right. like oh, that, sure. like yeah, something yeah. that like, you know what I mean? Where it feels like some sort of an in-between where they, where we can physically see something yeah. went down. But, but. I mean, the, like, I think the, I think that storyline is kind of nothing. I think the Norseman head is hilarious, but not really for this show. I think <laughs> Nick and Lindsay is, is stellar, stellar, brilliant, yeah. beautiful, incredible. I think that that storyline is not nothing, but it, it's every every episode, every scene is about flipping like groups on their head a little bit, like you're saying. And I just I love these fucking freaks they don't give a shit about this school and now by the end they're there yeah like coaching todd through his game i mean it's that's like, funny too i agree i think it's just kind of oh yeah like th- that's how high school is you know like you hate your school until someone else hates it more and then it's just what's well, it's tribal and i think there's exactly, something really great about exactly. that too uh and 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 that sort of feeds into the 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 Lindsay thing of it all of it all too which is that you know she was part of a tribe the mathletes and the the, the nerdy whatevers <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and then she wanted out of that tribe and she wanted to be quote-unquote cool and she wanted to sort of redefine herself um and now she's part of this tribe but she's afraid of offending one of its leaders or yeah. whatever you want to call members it. members um it's 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 really tribesmen tribesmen um it's i, I, I the, the episode ends on a pretty solemn note in terms of the Lindsay Nick of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Neil gets the shit kicked out of him by all the, by all the uh, cheerleaders. Which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so silly. <laughs> so silly. These girls, she's going to beat up this guy in public. It's but it's, it's hum- this episode. Yeah. There is a lot of it. it physical in the whole show though, actually. Yeah. yeah. This felt like, yes, I, I thought both of those things that we're talking about, like the beating up of the three freaks and the beating up of Neil, Felt a little bit like I know you guys can do better than this. Sure. Like I know you guys can come up with better like buttons than people getting their asses kicked. That's sure. just yeah. yeah. There's so, pl- there's times that like the the fights in the first couple episodes are amazing. They're fantastic. They're amazing, yeah. and that feel that those are hilarious. These and, ones, it's broad. There's there's a, there's a broad quality a to this broad. So we haven't had you on for Freaks and Geeks before. So I just want to hear your thoughts on why you love Freaks and Geeks. Why do I love Freaks and Geeks? I don't. I was actually thinking about this because. It's not like my high school experience at all. Yeah. I think I think I can't I watched it when it was first on and I think I just thought oh this is great writing even though I was pretty young I thought it was great writing and I thought it was funny. I I don't think I fully understood the emotional stuff of it at all because I was younger than high school then, but I think I, now going back to it I just love those actors so much 
and they're all so good. And the writing now, even more, I'm just like, this is insane how you make us feel for all these different people all the time. Um, it really is a it's, I, it's yeah. a very special show. I do want to go back and watch more right now. That's what I felt like more than yeah. anything. I felt watching this episode that I didn't think was among their best. I'm like, even an average episode of the show is better than like anything oh on TV right now, right except good. Succession and the Mass Singer. <laughs> <laughs> Mass Singer. I watched my first Mass Singer the other night. Yeah, we have a friend it's something. who loves. How happy were you? Uh, it's crazy. We can talk about it later. We'll, we'll, talk, well, Molly Green. Oh yeah, obviously Molly Green of Molly uh, loves it. Molly loves. Mass Singer. My kids described Mass Singer as the best thing that's ever happened to our family. <laughs> I thought you were going to say television, but no. it got so much bigger. Yes. <laughs> Pretty exciting that's fantastic. stuff. Yeah. Um, well, Barb, thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you guys you. a quick question before it's too late. No. Who were you in high school? Oh, boy. Uh, in this show, I mean, I'm Sam. And do you feel like you're Sam or you're like a different version of Sam? You're Sam plus... Uh, I, I, Sam plus Lindsay or what? That's a, that's a good question. I think I'm probably a mix of, of maybe Sam and Nick, which may not be the greatest mix in the world, but I do think that, uh, I looked a fair amount like Sam when I was really did. He really did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, uh, I was, I was little and it was just sort of, yeah, I feel a lot of, and I think also taking the incel qualities away from Sam. Um, I do think that I, I felt very sort of um, unsure of myself and trying to sort of figure out how to talk to girls. And like, I was pretty overt about liking people that I liked when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but it just never played out particularly well I for wanted, me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I probably, what about you? What do you think? No, no, that's not the question. What do you think? <laughs> no. uh, I, so Michael Natale, friend of the podcast, uh-huh. um, said <laughs> yeah, that's that right. we had a freak or geek. We had a freak or geek. Emilio, uh, who runs our uh, yeah. social media extraordinarily well, unbelievably well, um, asked our listeners, "Who are who are we? <laughs> am who, I a freak is, or a geek? Is, or is Kenny like a freak or geek? Oh, okay. Yes, is Phil a freak or a geek? Am I a freak or a geek? Yeah. Uh, Phil was geek. Yep, there wasn't I really was any a question. I, I was a freak. Yep. but Michael Natale nailed it. And he said, Kenny is a freak, but a geek at heart, (laughs) which is to say I was somewhere between Ken and Nick. Yeah. Um, 100%. (laughs) Uh, I tried a stoner, uh, stoner. I was not a stoner. Um, I smoked, (laughs) but I was a drinker. Okay. So, um, so somewhere between, I, I would say I aspired to be like Ken, but I was more like Nick, but in truth, and I think anyone who knows me knows this, I only would have wanted to ha- hang out with Neil. I, I would have looked at Neil. I would have been in a class with Neil. I would have made a point to sit next to him. I would have talked to him. We would have had a secret friendship and then he would be the person I would still talk to today. Neil's so, great. I'm having breakfast with with someone with who I think Neil? with my Neil tomorrow morning, <laughs> and I can't wait. So yeah, what about so, you, Barb? I don't know. It's so vastly different than my high school experience. We didn't have cliques or groups or anything really? like that. It was an all girls Catholic school. Oh right, right. So you had you knew who people's friends were, but there was no like right. defining quality, right? Um, and it being such a boy driven show, I imagine. That's yeah, that, that no, but I I I always like Sam. I think. Yeah, maybe something similar to you. I think there's some some of that, but um, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I think actually no, 
Millie. hundred percent. Oh, well, Millie. hundred percent Millie. Yes. I totally really? forgot yes. about Millie. Yes. Millie's a great fucking yeah, character. You're not Millie. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm speaking of the, the, the You're no Millie. <laughs> the spectrum of, of, of female characters on this show. Millie is yeah. another, yeah. another very sort she's, of like well-drawn. She's Lindsay's moral compass. And I was definitely yes. like the rules fall, still am, but like, you know, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't, I, there was a way to do things. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I wasn't a mathlete, but I was on student council. Like I definitely think Millie. Where were you on student council? Mm-hmm. Were you president? You're the pres? Vice, yeah. vice president. Oh, all right. That's a really, I'm a little bitter about it. We don't need to go into Have it. you watched The Politician yet? No. Wait, wait, Bar, what happens? Like, like you run for president? <laughs> and you, uh, okay, so freshman year, I ran for vice president of my class. I didn't win. Okay. Next okay. year, because you, you don't know anybody. Like, when you're, it's like two weeks into school, no one knows. Oh, and everyone comes from other schools? Yeah, and okay. so I got into a runoff. So I felt pretty good. I, my chances were close. Sophomore and junior year, I was vice president of my class with the same girl who was president. And then we talked about running for student body. And she said, you know, it's your it's your time. You can mm-hmm. be president. I'll step down and be vice president. Literally, like two weeks before we turned in the application, she's like, I still want to be president. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, so you felt like you had to run for vice president? Well, we run you run together. And so I did. Oh, you! Oh, you uh, went on a ticket. Yeah. yeah, no one ran against us. I, I honestly felt we should have just run it. We should have gone into a runoff. No, for president. Like, hey, look, you, you're no one's running against us, so it's uh, going to be the two of us. Now, vote for who you think you know is the president. I love that this has stayed with you, Barb. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a follow-up question. Um, how punny did you get with your last name and posters? Um, <laughs> it's too easy. But, but, but freshman year, freshman year was the year that Friends went off the air, mm-hmm. and so like the closing sentence of my speech was, unlike Joey, Monica Chandler, blah blah blah, I'll be there for you. Like well, that's it good. Was horrible. It's a, li- it's a little late to say. Yeah. I thought you were going to say I'll always be your friend. No. But- but it was, it, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was like, unlike the friends. Oh, God. So and so yeah, and so yeah. and so. Yeah. But, Good times. I didn't run for anything in high school. Uh, I ran for stuff. Did you get, did you, uh, did you get? I lost twice and then I won my senior year. Oh, nice. But this was for, so I mean, I'll do my story real fast. <laughs> my story, and then I wrote this, my college entrance admission on this. My story is I ran for president of my, of my class my sophomore year and I lost. And I, it felt right. <laughs> um, the next year I ran with a friend. You run in pairs for like uh, representatives to the student government, mm-hmm. which, you know, felt appropriate for me. And I ran and, uh, you know, this was kind of like in the time, maybe it still is the time where like people had gimmicks sometimes for running. So our gimmick was like, what do you mean? Like pizza Fridays or something? Yeah, I get, or just like put some shtick together for your speech. So our shtick was with us every day will be Christmas. And I came dressed as Santa Claus and threw out that as uh, throughout gifts, like, but like gifts, like candy canes, things you get from, uh, no, it was terrible. And I, and we lost. So, so I even lost, I even lost. Well, you, you can eat peppermint. I even lost when I like dress up as Santa, which was humiliating. And I don't know why we did it again, but we did it again. <laughs> so I decided the last time that, you know, what does a student representative do? Well, you, you, you voice the, the, it, you know, you voice the concerns of the class of the student government. And the one thing I'm pretty good at is I'm pretty good at knowing people and I'm pretty good at remembering names and I'm pretty good at knowing things about people. Like I just, I have that like kind of thing where, where I can go kind of, you know, an inch deep on anybody. So, uh, I just started going through the class and just saying, I know, you know, 250 people, but going like, I know, do you know, I know, I know this about you. I know this about you. I know that about you. I know that about you. 
And uh, it worked. And I won with my friend Nick. But I won. So, yeah, it was a real thrill. <laughs> yeah. Would you, so what does it entail? You just sit in on um, student. Well, you don't sit in. You're, you're basically a representative to the student government. So okay. you're, so you're, it's as if you were like in, you know, in the house of representatives, Uh-huh. it's as if all the branches of government were one. So there's the president, vice so president, there's the president, no, no, there's the president. <laughs> and then there are a lot of vice presidents, there's okay. like an education vice president, a social vice president, wow. all these things. Uh, okay. I think there are like three different vice presidents. Then there's like a secretary and a treasurer. Then there are representatives from each of the four classes. Uh-huh. I was one of the two. It's not the most glamorous, but hey, I won an election, right. which is a real thrill. What are we doing next week? Episode 10. What's it called? Uh, I don't know. I haven't planned for this because we don't know who's going to be on and when we're doing this. So there's really no point in us talking about it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week on <laughs> we'll Freaks it, and we'll Geeks. We'll throw when we get I mean, We'll throw it when we throw it. We'll throw it. Let's just hope we throw like Kevin Costner, not like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> not like Kevin Spacey. Like the good Kevin. The good one, Kevin. one of a few good Kevins. Um, thank you again for coming thank on, Barb. You, Always good to have you, Barb. And you'll come on again, right, for a movie of your choosing? Little you chose Giants. a bunch of movies. Yeah, I said we'll do Little Giants. Yeah, we'll do Little Giants. It's not 99. It's not 99. 95. We could do a special episode on Little Giants. We'll do something. Barb, so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> All right. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.